Yeah, so it kind of makes him look like he's wearing this princely, like, peacoat, but he's fully not wearing anything except an ascot. Straight so, like... Donald Duck in it. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if a little only whistle. an ascot can really, in all fairness, be described as Donald Ducking it. I feel like that's more nude than even Donald Duck gets. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only way that Sidon could be more nude is if he was wearing socks. And, I was going like... to say, socks is the only way to make it worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing but... but socks is more naked than full naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a story there. Um... <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. Welcome back to another exciting installment of everyone's favorite podcast, What is Red Drinking This Week? (laughs) I got an iced caramel macchiato from a cafe called uh, Angelina's, I think, and it's okay. Angelina's fans fuming in the comments. <laughs> all the caramels at the bottom. I have to get through all the bitter stuff before I can get to it. That's it's... literally the way you drink Thai iced coffee. Don't fucking lie. I do that with a straw so I can control at all times the density of sweetness. I'm. This one just has a little mouthpiece I have to drink out of. So it's just all bitter all the time until I get to the bottom. Anyway. That's literally how you drink it's a... Thai iced coffee. Look. It's not about the sweetness, it's about control, okay? Okay, sure. Yeah, you're subject, you have to drink the bitter parts first. I get it. I'll, I'll take no that. I have no choice. I mean, I'll I prefer this that. to having to mix it together and thus having no part that is sufficiently sweet, um, which is something like a metaphor for life now that I think about it, you know? Is it better to have highs and lows than to have a dull, like a dull gray monotony? The epic highs and lows of drinking an iced macchiato or whatever it was. <laughs> How dare you cite Riverdale I'm at me. <laughs> the old text back, baby. Uh, this is not the conversation we should be having. What's this podcast about? Beats me. This is a weird couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, we're recording no. this, just for the folks at home, we're recording this like fully four days before we normally would. And my video, at time of recording, is not yet out. Uh, also, we recorded that video two months ago. Two months ago. So it's not fresh in our minds at all. <laughs> like we were rewatching it before this started, but I got like 20 minutes in and you got like an hour in. And yeah. So it's just an odd. Also, we're all at time of recording again. We're all setting up to go to PAX, uh, PAX Unplugged in like a day. Everybody's uh, coming to me now. <laughs> yeah. But at time of upload, you guys will be able to hear all about that in two weeks, bi-weekly, not that bi-weekly, the other bi-weekly. Uh, but right now we haven't been to PAX yet. It's a little time capsule. So we're all like anticipating it. I'm already like posted up in a hotel, the weirdest hotel room I've ever been in. Um, that's a story for another day possibly, but uh, anyway. That's a story for the After After Show show patrons. Remember that you've got the After After Show show available right now on Patreon. Yes, excellent concept. Uh, so I, I know that every time we do one of these, we say, well, the energy's so weird today. But like this time we have reasons, all right? There's reasons why the energy is weird. Yeah, the reason is we're artists. Let's <laughs> let's get into the podcast. Maybe this is just what we're like as people. Um, should this we start is with just the video what we're that, like as people. <laughs> should we start with the video that actually exists? <laughs> nah, let's talk about Zelda. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Yeah, I guess spoiler warning. Uh, we, yeah, spoiler for warning us. for all of Zelda. And it's really funny because I was watching this back. Uh, mm-hmm. We recorded this. Actually, no, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't go go over go over you on this. Red, explain oh. the process of bringing this video into uh, into reality. Oh, the man. very quick turnaround between I've got this idea and we finished recording it. Yeah, let me get back to my mind palace. Cast myself back two months to where I was at um, because the game came out in like 
May. May. Uh, but I feel like even in the last two months, the the discussion about like game spoilers and stuff has shifted for this specific game because um because we came up with this back in like September, August, even I might have had the the inklings of the concept and I was still very cautious about like there are twists in this game that I really want people to experience for themselves I don't want to spoil that uh and at this point now I think I've gotten a little bit cavalier about that possibly because when I've been streaming it on the channel we've been getting into like oh boy look who's over there I wonder who's flying up there and whether that makes me really sad you know that kind of thing um (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, at the beginning of the video, we're like, no, seriously, like, go through and play it if you haven't already. It's like, if you haven't already in the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at this point, I've got nothing for you. <laughs> yeah, before it gets nominated for every award. Um, and still lose to Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, rip. well, you can't have everything. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think we were streaming it or we had been no yeah we'd we'd done the summer mega stream i believe uh and we were discussing uh the game and and how it had impacted us at different times and like uh how the various big like narrative hits had like impacted us um and you were playing it but you were playing it slower than i because i (laughs) i like burned through it in the first two weeks i was I've talked about this, but like when I played Breath of the Wild, I was like a full year late to the party and I got into it because I saw so many people playing it and I was like, that does look like fun. Maybe I'll do that. Um, whereas with Tears of the Kingdom, I got in there like day of. I was there on the hour and I was mashing the button because it took like six additional minutes before it unlocked on my Switch. I was that person. Um <laughs> And you I were was, also like pressing the button in the week leading up to it. It's like maybe they slip up. Maybe maybe they, they make up. a mistake and I, I can get it to open up. <laughs> you know that there's like, oh Beyonce, we're really in it now. That was me with my TV. <laughs> Just like, please give me the Tears of the Kingdom. The logo is there. I can see it downloaded. Um so I I was I was in deep. Um and I, I sped through the game and I loved how the impact it had on me as I played through it, as I was putting together the pieces. Um, Because there were, I was purposefully staying away from spoilers, but also I was lucky enough in those first two weeks that there wasn't all that much content just about it. Like, I want to say like three days after I finished the game, I started seeing like fan art pop up that had very overt spoilers for like major twists about Zelda's arc and stuff like that. And I was like, God, thank fuck that I didn't see this. Because I got to the point of the game where I was like, okay, it's a, Schrodinger's plot point. If they resolve this plot point in this kind of way, then I think the game is a masterpiece. And if they don't, I'm going to be very upset. And then they did it a way I was happy with. And I was like, okay, phew, we're good, we're good. The themes, the the storytelling, it was great. And then when I got that out of my system, I could actually think about the game as a whole. Um, and we were, I feel like we were like having a conversation about it and something clicked. Because I was like, I know there's a detailed diatribe in here somewhere. There's yeah. something here. Um, And I think I was talking about how, for a blank slate character, Link has a kind of interesting character arc in this game, which is that in Breath of the Wild, you are the only main character in the world. You're running around saving the day. You get lifts from point A to point B by uh, the champion heirs, and that's basically it. Uh, And then Tears of the Kingdom kind of went out of its way at every single plot point to be like, we're gonna make you understand that you don't have to be fighting this alone anymore. Uh, or when you are fighting it alone, it's a notably like bad turn of events. And when that clicked, I sort of started paying attention to the design of the game world from that perspective of like, when is it making you feel the way that you felt all the time in Breath of the Wild? And the conclusion I came to is only when you're on the Sky Islands. And 
part of the impetus behind this was I was initially one of the people who was kind of disappointed in the Sky Islands because they are very bare and very stark and you can fully explore them. But after a certain point, there's it's it's paper thin. There's nothing there. You you can explore it and be like, oh, cool. This is like a temple. This was a forge. And then it's like, OK, cool. What can I do here? Uh, there's a there's a shrine. There's some weapons on the floor. Uh Korok seed, maybe that's it. And I was like, I want more to do. I want mysteries to unravel. I want there to be stuff here. And then I sort of started thinking more about it. And I was like, I actually think that this is a purposeful design choice. Yeah. It's not like, it's it's not, you know, mechanical limitations. It's certainly not development time crunch. It was like, okay, these people. I know can design a space that looks lived in and communicates how people who aren't there presently interact with the space. So the fact that the Sky Islands look and feel like this is intentional. From that perspective, why are they like this? And it turned into this really interesting, like, unraveling of, of how the, the Sky Islands being the only place Link can really go to be completely alone and the place that's completely sterile, like it's a story that's over, the underlying mystery of like, what happened to the rest of the Zonai? We get like two hints about it and then nothing. That's it. And there's nothing yeah. there. And you can you can spend all the time you want in the Sky Islands, you won't find the answer. And the rest is for Zeltic to decide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, you know, we, we research historical things and we go looking for myths and history and stuff like that. And sometimes you hit that wall and it's like, there's nothing here. There was something here once, but it's gone, and you can't get it back because that's not how it works. And um, I think from that perspective, it was a very interesting, you know, lens through which to analyze the game of like, okay, on the assumption that this is all intentional, because it certainly feels that way, why is it like this? What's the purpose of that? And uh, how cool is it that they actually managed to sort of preserve that underlying mystery? Because in Breath of the Wild, the Zonai are a complete black box. We know yeah. nothing about them except they aren't here anymore. And then Tears of the Kingdom is like, here's two living Zonai, here's a bunch of stuff, here's their technology, and then you get deeper and it's still like a black box. Yeah. They're not here anymore. And that's the, the little tidbits we get about that makes that mystery feel more profound. And this is something that we kind of dug into in our architecture tour of Hyrule from a couple months back at this point, because that was also <laughs> a sneaky B-roll pass for this very video, I think. Yes. Um, but that not only are the Zonai uh, essentially a black box, but they are a black box with strata to them, because we can see the distinct layers of Zonai history yeah. present in their architecture. But also, it still doesn't get us any closer to telling us what happened to them. <laughs> that was my favorite, because we'd already uh, recorded, I want to say, the detailed diatribe at that point. Because the turnaround of like, oh, I've got my thesis, uh, two hours later, update, I'm done with the thing, you want to record this now? It's like, Jesus, okay. Um, <laughs> so after that, it was like, I need B-roll for this. Let's just do a quick, uh, quick stream. Which means there's stuff that we noticed in the B-roll stream that isn't in tomorrow's detailed isn't diatribe. DD, yeah. Because we were like, like during the B-roll stream, we were like, oh my god, wait a minute. Okay, so the clean white stone and gold ornamentation that's like the latest stage zonai stuff that's the that's the ornamentation in like raru's constructs and like the the islands that minaru specifically raised into the sky but all the older ones and there's like this zonai crest that appears in all of these places yeah. including the absolute oldest zonai architecture the stuff with the black stones but it doesn't appear in the labyrinths which is you know the zonai architecture that we got in the first game and then you go to like the um the the dragon statues in the pharaon woods 
And some of them have been damaged by uh, the Skyons falling and by these horns emerging from some of them for a side quest to get an armor set. And if you look underneath the stonework, there is clean white Zonai stone with gold ornamentation. We so, thought... Like, we thought it was the oldest stuff that was in the Pharon woods and the Typhlo ruins, but no, that's the most recent. <laughs> yeah, and it's covered over with a layer of stone that makes it look like the labyrinths. So what the fuck, man? And yeah. I, know, I, I love this. Really I think, cool. I think that at some point a little switch flipped in the the technological limitations of game de development, going from like, look, you only have a limited number of polygons. Here's the size of the textures we can put to like kind of the sky's the limit so in older games it would be like oh there's yeah. a cute little like like in this zelda game there's like a little mural on this wall what does it mean and it's like oh it means that they needed to put something on that wall and they had a texture yeah. that they could use and now it's like no but like actually what the fuck does this mean this was all on purpose we're, uh i i wouldn't say that we're at like ah oh, yeah we're photo real graphics can mm -hmm. never get better than this mm -mm. but Seeing the way that the like the game generations jump, like you know PS2 to PS3, oh my gosh, look at all this PS3 to PS4, oh my gosh, the lighting effects, and mm -hmm. PS4 to PS5 is like ah oh, you know ray tracing and stuff, but like yeah, we're not a photorealism yet, but we are at the point where the upper limit is not game data or processing power. The upper limit is human creativity. Yeah, and that's and very long, apparent in Zelda. <laughs> and how long they're willing to do dev time and how little yeah. they're willing to crunch their team. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, it was very cool looking at this and being like, there is an intentional story here that is intentionally not being revealed to the audience. And that is so fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I hope people like it uh, at time of upload. You'll know, but I don't. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, I really like not only what was contained within this detailed diatribe, but how it came together. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry, so I was glad. talking over you for a second, though. No, 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 totally good. Uh, I mean, it's about time we pivoted to the other multi-hour video that's going up in the last. Yeah, OSP weeks. fans got a lot to dig into at the beginning of this uh, this holiday season <laughs> mm. uh, this month. I uh, last week. Um, finished I, I don't even know how to describe it it's it's the complete history of rome it's the, the biggest single video that i've ever put together longer than any detailed diatribe by an hour about mm -hmm. um and boy oh boy uh it was really fun to to do but also it was unfathomably huge as a project i cleared out so much space on my computer uh anticipating that my hard drive would get absolutely eaten up with the final cut file mm -hmm. and it kind of did so i'm glad i i'm glad i cleared it out but it was um, essentially the the premise that I'd always kind of wanted to do was take all of my Roman videos and, and put them into one narrative and really make it work front to back, one complete experience that tells it in a way that you can't get if you just go video to video. Because there are some things where, you know, if I'm telling the story of the Roman Republic and I just kind of be like, oh yeah, yeah the Gracchi got assassinated, whatever. And then it's like, oh, actually, here's this other video where I can go in depth about the Gracchi brothers and what they did and what it means and how that relates to the political machinery of the Republic hmm. and how they got assassinated. And that's really interesting, but it doesn't, you know, if you, you watch the Republic video, you watch the Gracchi video, eh, the timing's kind of wrong. There's an Augustus video that I did about um, his his architectural projects in Rome that I'd done after I finished my my Age of Augustus video. And, and they all kind of, you know, worked together. You could watch them. There's kind of this web of videos, but I really wanted to see if I could put all of them, not just the four resummarized videos, but all these other little ones into one giant project front to back that tells as, as best I can the complete history of the whole idea of Rome over, you know, 3,000 years. And I did. 
and it worked really well as 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 far as I uh, uh, am am concerned. It took a lot of extra work to to get it together because it was not only editing things together and and you know splicing in videos and you know sound leveling and stuff. There's some fun little technical challenges and um, kind of pasting over like a you know, spelling mistake here, uh, change the editing here for for whatever. But I also had to do some pretty heavy surgery in the beginning of the video because the Augustus one was recorded a couple years ago and the recording is close enough that with some some post-processing help thank you indigo um <laughs> i was able to uh to make it be like okay this will sound smooth enough and you won't hear that like oh this was recorded two years earlier it's a different sound setup it's like okay we can do that in post great <laughs> the roman republic video was basically four years old audio bordering on five in places and it, it really was too jarring to put next to the other ones especially if i was going to be intercutting with other videos so i was like all right I'm re-recording it, so I did, and a couple comments were like, I knew that this was all new stuff because of the intro, but eventually I rammed straight into a line that I recognized from the original video, and I could not tell where the switch happened. I'm like, because there was no switch. <laughs> yeah, so all of the audio from uh, from the beginning up through the end of Caesar was was basically re-recorded, and that took a few straight days of, of recording, because that, that is tough, it takes time. Mm. Um, but the effect was was really, really great, even though I had to go back in post and Final Cut Pro and retime all my clips to fit, which took a while. Right, because um, when you re-record a script especially a few years down the line you're gonna pace the lines a little bit differently it was fully a minute shorter than the original audio mm. <laughs> but all <laughs> told the the effect that i wanted to create and the effect that i, th I think people were able to get was going through this th this full history all the way front to back and being able to experience how all of these different things talk to each other over a huge span of time uh, and and really being able to pick up on these small connections that that span you know thousands of years here and there and feel a surprisingly emotional telling of the story and I, I really wanted to convey that and I, I made a point for all of my, my videos previously and then putting them together to really like sell this emotion and this meaning of like why is this important? Why is this interesting? Uh, and many comments were saying this was a surprisingly emotional uh, retelling. I I I I feel myself feeling things. That's weird. Yes, Aww. job well done. Yes, um, honestly, that as somebody for whom history learning is hard because it is so often framed in such a dry clinical linear like list of events. I'm so bad with lists of any kind. Um, yeah, they suck. <laughs> yeah, I think the most important thing about uh, a historical retelling is to remind people like this was an alive thing that had people living in it, making human decisions. It's not a fossilized chunk of, well, I mean, it is a fossilized chunk of history, but anything fossilized was once alive. So, you know, I think it's very easy for people to sort of uh, fall into this feeling of like, well, if it happened during my lifetime, it's a real thing that happened. But if it happened before that, it's a fact of existence. It's just a thing, a solid yeah. component of the universe. And it's like, it was once an alive thing that happened in somebody's lifetime. Uh, and I think that my favorite parts of studying history is those moments where it jumps out and it's like, oh yeah, people yeah. have always been people. We look at it and we're like, this is a thing that happened. But at the time it was, this is a thing that a bunch of people are working on and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. Yeah, it's not an immutable fact that was destined to play out in exactly that way. It was the result of people being people all at once in a big room together. <laughs> and that room is the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah, you know but, what they say about Rome. It was for sure built in a day. Yeah. <laughs> Group project, baby. Yeah. 
Uh, one one comment that I saw that was um, kind of in the, the the vein of like a very emotional telling was someone said, I, I can't help like hearing Blue describe this, but imagine Brutus and Caesar looking at each other like, what the fuck are you doing? Let me save the Republic. Why are you getting in my way? And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, no, that is actually like very on brand with, with what kind of, of, of narrative I'm, I'm presenting. I wish I'd thought of that because that's, oh, that's the good stuff. That's drama right there. <laughs> Um, you know what I like about that? I could see, you know, 400-ish years ago, Shakespeare doing the exact same thing. Like, oh, look, imagine the drama, the tension of these two real people yeah. putting heads like this. A two brute weak as fuck, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, it's good. There's um, there's a lot of fun stuff that went into that. Um, I really enjoyed being able to put it together and see like what what things I was able to pull out of it that I hadn't thought of before that mostly made their way into the new introduction and new conclusion at the very end, mm. um, which I really liked. How I was able to tie that together. And someone said, "Blue called the Holy Roman Empire a Roman-inspired empire in Germany, which is the nicest thing he probably has and ever will say about them." Like, yeah, Boy. yeah, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing, I, I wrote a couple notes of, like, fun comments that, that tickled me. It was a bunch of people who were like, oh, my God, Blue, you're mispronouncing it again. It's cojones. I'm like, no, it's coleones. It's Latin, you fucking barbarian. <laughs> it's a video about Rome. I'm speaking Latin. <laughs> God, I nothing is funnier to me than people being deeply confident about, like, <laughs> my rudimentary knowledge of one thing uh, doesn't agree with you, and therefore probably I'm 100% right, and you're wrong. Yeah. God, it's like, oh yes, Spanish, the only romance language. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, God knows French isn't one of them. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I had the idea for this, uh, for this whole ridiculous project, um, like a year and a half ago, uh, I think. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, I remember the, the bench where I was sitting where I told my dad, like, I got this big dumb idea that I eventually want to do. And he's like, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm like, yeah, I got time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but time, baby. But uh, it is extremely satisfying to have basically a small book's worth of a history video, a full documentary, like, ta-da. Because <laughs> all these little videos are just sitting around, so like, you know, little 10-year increments, 100-year increments, and it's like, no, they demand to be put together. They talk to each other. Uh, and eventually, so help me God, I'll do the same thing with Greece, but give me a while, it'll take <laughs> some time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that one's going to be a doozy. That's going to be a doozy, because there's a, there's a lot longer on the time scale than Rome. Step one, Mykene. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. So, I, I I probably could say say more, but I don't know what else is uh, is is jumping to me at this moment. I'm I'm very pleased with it. Um, it yeah. was it was a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> almost three hours with uh, about seven hours of of new video, uh, complete from scratch, and like thirty minutes of new footage and like the seven minutes in the span of three hours is not that much, but like that's also most of a regular video. So I was really busting my butt on this one. Um, <laughs> But I am I am thrilled. It came yes. together, and now it exists as a monument for all time. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's our, our output on the channel um, mm -hmm. these past two weeks, and I guess this last week, and then tomorrow. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> time fun, getting wibbly. Uh, yeah. Fun announcements uh, going on quickly. We will be at PAX. Um, if you saw us, we hope you said hi. Uh, <laughs> I can't say if you see us, say hi, because we're yeah. Um, What's happening? <laughs> I'm sure we will have had a great time. Um, also, we have pins and stuff on sale in our merch store still through the end of the year. Uh, if you go to overlysarcastic.shop, there's all of our stuff. Merch, uh, shirts, stickers, 
um, mugs, uh, plushies, pins. One single tank top. One single tank top with the saucer eyed sad I'm boy. Lobbying for more. Don't worry. Great, we'll make <laughs> I'm it happen. Advocating for our rights. We'll make it happen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have. Um, uh, flash sales going on every other day, uh, 25% off. Or if you're a patron, you can also add your special Patreon code, um, which you can find on our Patreon page. Uh, and it so. stacks. They stack. We made them stack. So you can actually get a pretty fat deal uh, up to 40% off uh, on a thing that's on flash sale. But yeah, get some pins. Uh, and we will hop on over to the Q&A portion of the podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. Literally, as soon as I started saying this, Ziggy meowed and ran into the room, so maybe we'll get a cameo. Who knows? Cat <laughs> staring knows. at me. She's demanding the fame. She's the like blinking in a way where I'm like, you're asleep, but instead you are <laughs> staring at me. Just go lay down, man. I don't, you can sleep as much as you want. There are no rules here. Whatever. Uh, yeah, we're, this is the Q&A portion of the podcast, and we're going to answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord, first of which is going to come from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. This first question comes from Marin 2 blue It's always fun to hear the extra details you add into your re-summarized series. Are there any fun Roman or Byzantine stories you wanted to include but got left on the cutting room floor? So Red can corroborate that on the Monday before this video went up, I'm like, I could include the Pantheon video mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that's a little architectural video that like the history of like what happens after the Roman period, I'd clip out. But like the first like five minutes of that video were pretty good. I could. And the thing that made me not do it was because the text was blue instead of red. So I would have had to redo it. And I'm like, I'm not. That's yeah. the line that I'm not crossing. Yeah, uh, so I watched it, you talk yourself out of it in <laughs> real time in like three minutes. And it was funny because I was like, oh, that could be funny. You're like, oh, the text is the wrong color. And my, my, my love of continuity won't allow that. And I was like, I think most people wouldn't notice that. But I'm not going to tell them to do more work on this hell video. <laughs> I had to convince myself to not go back and change the fonts. Oh, <laughs> boy. I, I know. I did it. I, it was a quick convincing. But, uh, this so is that, exactly why I don't redo my old videos because yeah. I can't resist a rabbit hole. <laughs> Yeah, um, because it's like everything's internally consistent to its own resummarized, but then going across them is like, ugh. Uh, but um, that's for, for the most recent one was that was the one thing I'm like, I could, I won't, uh, was the Pantheon. Because like, I talk about it enough, it's fine, it's fine. Um, but in the Byzantines video, I basically went all out. I'm like, I'm only doing this once. I'm going to make this kick ass. I am going to include absolutely everything I find the time to include. So uh, I did. Our, our, our friends on Discord, um, Johnny, Katya, and Charizard, were very uh, forthcoming with fun extra details I could add, such as the relationship between uh, Justinian and Kozro and how they were just perennially trolling each other, where um, Kozro had an ambassador at the triumph for Belisarius after reconquering North Africa and Sicily. And... Uh, Justinian's like, oh yeah, you know, this is this is super great, you know, isn't it, isn't it cool, aren't I the best? And the ambassador's like, ah oh, yes, well you see, you were only able to engage in such a conquest because uh, his eminence, King Khosrow Shah and Shah, great king of kings, decided to be at peace with you. So really, we are just as much to thank as Belisarius is, give us tribute. And Justinian's <laughs> like, here you go. Go. <laughs> so that was not a detail I missed, but one that I was really happy to be able to include um, in the resummarized. And I, I was like, I'll make the script longer for the sake of adding this one. But uh, details that I left out. Um, 
honestly, the point of this one was that I kind of didn't. Like, everything I feel <laughs> like was was worth including, minus the Pantheon, but again, I talked myself out of it. Right. Um, I Good did. Point. So so in this case, I, I wouldn't have done this if I felt like there was anything that would have helped and would not have fucked the pacing. Because mm-hmm. if I added the Pantheon, even if the text was the same color, it would have messed up the pacing. So I, I wouldn't mm. have... I eventually would have talked myself out of that one, too. And when Alexander saw the breadth of his empire, he wept. (laughs) 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 Well, there were no more clips to conquer. (laughs) All right. This next question comes from Golden Donut. To all, a streamer named AMZTV was recently watching Red's videos on stream to learn Greek mythology. With that in mind, what's the most unexpected place you've ever seen your videos in? Brandon Doug Sanderson's Doug. podcast. That too. Uh, at one point, uh, Doug Doug was doing one of those like Doug. Doug. Yeah, yes. he, he was doing one of those uh, like chat uh, tells him where to click. I think it was like he had to like wiki walk his way through something. Yeah. And my Medea video was new that week, and like forty percent of his audience was like, "Click on it, click on it." And he was like, "What is this?" And so, and I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh God, I hope he likes it," but I'm too scared to look, so I was like skipping through until he was done. Um, but yeah, Brandon Sanderson repping the trope talks on his podcast was yeah. certainly the one that where. I, I was the slowest to believe that it was really happening because yeah. I, I like looked up the transcript of the pod so I didn't need to listen through and it was like oh it says uh, Brandon was like yeah I've been watching these trope videos I was like but that could be any Brandon we don't Brandon know from sure. Utah says <laughs> and I was like looking over at the copy of the Way of Kings I had next to my bed like it, well there's plenty of people named Brandon it could be on this podcast by Brandon Sanderson it could be anybody um <laughs> Oh man, that's a yeah. good one. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, the funny thing about Doug Doug though, um, in the video and if you go to the the vod, um, he's like he's trying to click through, and then like like thirty percent of the audience was like had like the eye tracker on the subscribe button. He's like, "What do you mean subscribe? We're trying to get through these videos." So for for those of you who are in Doug Doug's chat, we see you and we appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> oh excellent. man. Uh, well, this next question comes from Sorcerer Pizza Supreme. To all, who is your favorite side character or NPC in any of the Legend of Zelda games? Mm. Sidon, obviously. Sidon. Yeah. No one else has that much of a like, I a like cult following Cass. around him. Thank you very much. And his exclusion <laughs> from Tears of the Kingdom is an affront to me and Noir from Rolling with Difficulty specifically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... That they would Sidon tease us. When you finish the, the newspaper quest, you can find uh, that guy who walks mm-hmm. around with you all the time later. And he's like, I'm here because I heard a great bard once played here. And I'm like, how dare you tease us like this? How dare you <laughs> almost suggest that he's back? But no, no, he, they are hiding him from us. Yeah, but um, I just, I really like Sidon's vibe. <laughs> I like his energy. He's fun. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good. It's very funny how he's just driven a lot of the fandom into an absolute frenzy. Yeah. Um, and I truly think it's just the mix of like, uh, he's, because the thing is, he is a shark man. Like, you look at him and you're like, in what sense is this a handsome person? But then he talks and you're like, oh, it's like, the oh, personality. Oh, I yeah. see. <laughs> you look past the shark on his head and you're like, no, I see the true beauty within. And then everyone's like, and also the abs. So mm. I, I kind of get it. It's just, I don't know. Um, I, Red, I appreciate your. Uh, um, analysis from I don't remember what it was. I think oh when we were streaming the um, mm-hmm. the Water Temple uh, plotline where it's like he has the silhouette of wearing a coat despite being functionally naked. <laughs> Someone in chat is the one who said that. It's because oh, okay. they, they gave him little like side fins out from his hips and they yeah. gave him that metal collar Huge thing. Collar. Yeah. yeah, so it kind of makes him look like he's wearing this princely like pea coat, but he's fully not wearing anything except an ascot. <laughs> Straight so, like... Donald Duck in it. <laughs> 
I don't know if a little only whistle. an ascot can really, in all fairness, be described as Donald Ducking it. I feel like that's more nude than even Donald Duck gets. <laughs> I think the only way that Sidon could be more nude is if he was wearing socks. I was going like... to say, socks is the only way to make it worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing but... but socks is more naked than full naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a story there. Um, <laughs> all right, I... but we got, okay, let's let's be less basic. Aside from number one boy Sidon, Cass. who else do we like? I guess. Yeah. Cast a second time. I do like how cheeky he is about like, oh, by the way, I've been carrying this photograph with me the entire time I've been being cagey around you. And then it's like, oh, look, yes. it's me. It's me and all my dead friends and Zelda. <laughs> Red, can I put you on blast by saying you're hopeless for Midna? Yeah, I do like Midna <laughs> a lot. I, she's got the most personality of any of the tutorial side characters. But it is very funny because when I first played through it, I was just like, Midna, my girl, I'm here for you. I'm just trying to help out. And then like on the second time I saw somebody else play through it, I was like, oh, yeah, her and Zelda are like straight banging, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> like we're third wheeling it. We're, we're just we're just wingmanning for Midna to get her bod back before she sees her girlfriend, <laughs> um, which is funny because I was never one of the people who like shipped Midna and Link. I think that they have too much like mutual disrespect energy. It's like I'd die for you, but I'd complain the entire time I'm doing it. Like that's the vibe between those yeah. two. Um, but Zelda's such a non-entity in that game. It just didn't click for me until I was like, oh, yeah, no, there's something there when she calls Zelda the Twilight Princess, tee hee hee. So, but that's, anyway. that Zelda is so cool, though. She's she has so the coolest outfit of any Zelda. She's also the most, mm. like, self-aware out of any of them. She seems yeah. to already be queen, and she's like, hey, sorry, wielder of the Triforce of Courage. Kind of beefed things already. You're definitely starting from a rougher point than you have in previous incarnations. <laughs> and Link's just like, what? <laughs> uh, uh. Well, we got more that to Zelda get. has, I was supposed to be princess for longer, but my dad was running his mouth energy. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like the guy who uh, fixes the big cannon in that game. Uh, mm. I don't remember anything else about him, except they're like, there's only one way to get you onto those sky islands. And it's like, oh, some high-tech flying machine? <laughs> um, <laughs> and the horrifying chicken lady. Excellent. Oh, and the Yeti from that game. That game just has a lot of good NPCs, oh, to be yeah. completely honest. Well, this next question comes from Sorry I Misclicked to Blue. I've been listening to your Complete History of Rome video while studying for final exams, and I was wondering what uh, is your favorite stage in the history of Rome? Mine would be either the Byzantine era or the Punic Wars. So your favorite, like, segment era of Rome. Of course, of course. Of course, of course. Um, which, is the, which is the interval of time where you described it as 10,000 people living in a city of 1 million or designed for 1 million? That is, um, the, someone commented that on the yeah, subreddit. Yeah, it's like this D&D stuff right here. That is, uh, that's after the empire. Mm. Um, so that would be following the collapse. Uh, it was down to like 50,000 following the, um, the Vandal sack. Uh, and then it was completely depopulated and got back up to like 50,000 or maybe it was like 100,000 after the sack because it was was a million, then it kind of shrank and then uh, the Byzantine Gothic Wars completely cleared it out, not a soul left in there um, and then it started to kind of come back but that's a really mm -hmm. cool period seeing it transform into the medieval Rome of what would become, you know, the seat of the popes and all that. That's right. a really fun one. I... Um, I think you can kind of tell based on how much time I devote to various parts of the story because some things I skip through on the quick and some things I'm like, no, 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 we're taking our time. <laughs> um, I obviously spend a lot of time on Augustus. I think him as emperor is such an interesting period in Roman history because you get to see so many very important things kind of like consolidating into the shape they would hold 
for a very long time. <laughs> and even though he's a bastard, it's it's a really fun period to dig into. But just for the the pure like emotional attachment, it's got to be the Byzantines because like the 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 emotional core behind that of like. We were supposed to have died hundreds of years ago, but we're not fucking gonna. I love that. <laughs> uh, we've got other questions to get to, so the next one up is from Obi, son of Obi. To all, it's the day of turkey. What food item can you not miss for Thanksgiving dinner ever? For my family, mostly me, it's empanadas that we have as basically appetizers while we wait for the actual dinner to be served. So what's your must-eat on Thanksgiving? My mom makes mulled cider before we start, so just like nice. like start with like... Again, non-alcoholic, just a juice and then just an assortment of spices. It's just on the stove for, like, hours and hours. Um, I think our Thanksgiving dinner itself is pretty normal stuff. It's, you know, turkey, mashed potatoes, um, peas, stuff. And my mom makes her own cranberry sauce, so it doesn't come out of a can. I've heard this is sacrilegious yeah. in some households, but it's no, tasty, so whatever. Making cranberry sauce is, is good. I like cranberry sauce. I'm one of those sickos who actually likes it, but mm-hmm. I, I like it when it's made. I, I, the canned stuff, I don't. I don't, I don't enjoy yeah. too much. But I do, on um, the subject of what the, the question asker was saying, like having empanadas, I, I love when families have their one not Thanksgiving food that they always have at Thanksgiving. So like mm-hmm. in Cyan's family's households, they will have a bunch of food items being cooked throughout the day. But of course people get hungry and you don't want to, you know, engorge on something. You don't want to starve yourself. So they, one of the family members will bring a ham that's just like a full ham and there's like 20 people at these thanksgivings so it's a full ham that people can just like pick on throughout the day Mm. just like just carve off a little bit and have and it's great it's the picking ham it's such a useful thing to have to stop people from dying of starvation and killing each other (laughs) my uh my dad makes blueberry muffins for the Mm. uh as part of the basket of bread it's just like there's normal like sliced challah and then blueberry muffins and they're so good (laughs) Yeah, we, so every other year my dad hosts when it's his side of the family and we have like 40 people over our house. So it's sort of a free for all on what foods are there and every side gets repped. Okay, Ziki, you gotta get down. Uh, <laughs> she's trying to climb on my desk. Um, but uh, more so than any of the foods on the day. Like I love the mashed potatoes. My dad makes great mashed potatoes. Uh, I'm a big sides girly stuffing, any sort of carrot. Like I just want a plate of sides more so than the main deal. We usually do turkey and ham just because there's so many people. It's easier to feed them all if there's two meats available. Um, but the thing that I really look forward to is the night before Thanksgiving, instead of cooking, we used to always go out to IHOP or a diner and just get breakfast for dinner as a family. And I think that that's a very fun tradition because it is like... I get food and I don't have to cook it the day before we do so much <laughs> cooking. Um, yeah. So that's the thing I can't miss. But uh, yeah, sides in general, any any Thanksgiving side is a banger. I'm pretty neutral on the cranberry sauce, but I, I think it's an important part of the plate. But I don't know that it's my favorite of them uh, in terms of the cranberry sauce spectrum and where we all fall as OSP. <laughs> I think I've mentioned my family always goes absolutely ham on the um, pies uh, and of the various pies that have been on the rotation in uh, history. uh, There's always a chocolate mousse pie, and that is always my favorite. Um, And (laughs) every year my dad tries something different with the crust because uh, the the traditional way it's done is my mom makes these really delicious little chocolate wafers, and then they get basically ground up and used to kind of coat the inside of the pie tin, and then you put the mousse in it, and it's really good. But it, like, solidifies into this incredibly hard, like, substance, which makes it hard to cut. But it's so delicious, and, like, that is by far my favorite arrangement of the chocolate. Like, yeah, you have to use the fucking might of Excalibur to crack it open, (laughs) but it's so tasty. And he's always like, no, I can fix this. I can make it so that you don't need to put your entire body weight on a knife to get this working. But I'm always like, no, it's, fine, you it's know? worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No. Anyway. We do a... Because it's not just the meal. It's the meal and the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, Thanksgiving's a pretty neutral holiday for us food-wise. I feel like we tend to stick to the classics just because, like... No one has any one particular thing that they're excited to make. But we do like the Feast of the Seven Fish and Greek Easter. That's when everyone in my family really pops off with like individual Classic. dishes. So yeah, uh, until that such date, and Thanksgiving maintains. I also some love with the Feast of the Seven Fishes when you just get different fish. Like someone's bringing sushi. You've got yeah. like a whole well, bunch I have of other one stuff. Uncle who lives when downtown, you just go far yeah, afield. That, that's his mo. Is like I'm just going to bring a tray of sushi every year because the the pr- question is, can that's we great. get seven fish? And the answer is meh. But uh, from you a know, sushi place, absolutely. <laughs> they're going to say from a sushi point of view. <laughs> Star Wars so, brain like, rot. It was because we heard Obi son of Obi and it activated us like sleeper agents. Yeah. yeah. One guy always like we got I got like ten uncles. So like one uncle brings like you know crab legs every year. One brings a sushi tray. Another makes like a fish stew. It's bacala is the only traditional fish that makes it every single year. Everything else is kind of uh, smelts sometimes. Like there's there's just a variety of fish prepared many ways. And as long as no one brings a red meat except for Poppy, who is allowed to bring meatballs uh, every. <laughs> everything's pretty in line but uh that's a different holiday and therefore a question for a later date um Mm. ironically though our next question does come from fish uh to all what was your spotify wrapped like you guys were my top podcast two years in a row uh i'd like to take a moment to give a special thank you to everyone who added us uh or told us that we were in their top spotify podcast it's very sweet of you guys so thank you so much for listening um yeah yeah, Red. I don't think you have Spotify. I think you use. A different I don't. Music. Uh, thing. I subscribe to the old ways. I have songs on my phone, back from when I used to have songs on my iPod, uh, and they're good. And I like listening to them. And when I want to listen to things that aren't on my iPod slash phone, uh, I will go on YouTube Mix, listen to about five Linkin Park songs in a row, and then just let the auto-generated playlist <laughs> take me through the best hits of Crush Forty and Three Days Grace and and. Um, uh, Breaking Benjamin, it's it's all great stuff. Uh, Crush Forty, yes. Yeah, so it's lots of uh, lots of Sonic soundtracks. I can't help it if Night of the Wind is a banger, and I am all of me is fucking hilarious. Right, you're uh, taking me back. I'm remembering how I used to have to painstakingly download songs on my computer, mm-hmm. USB them onto my iPod, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, it was such a fucking process. They've made it oh harder to do that. I recently yeah. went back in and like updated, and it was like, you're syncing your phone with a new computer, because the last time I synced it was like three computers ago, and it wiped my entire playlist. It's like, oh, a lot of these aren't on iTunes on this computer, and I was like, why does that matter? What have you done? So I had to go back through and rebuild it from scratch. Um, but it's really good to have things for offline play. And uh, in this day of like, well, we can just charge you for, why would we charge you for it once when we can charge you for it forever? Is like, it, it, take your life in your own fucking hands. Download songs legally <clears throat> from <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pay for it once, then never again. I, my Spotify wrapped was really fucked because I, I split my account um, off of Science because we'd been sharing one and I, mm-hmm. I got my own account um in like august so my spotify wrapped is heavily weighted to the back half of the year which includes Mm -hmm. a couple days um where i was doing a lot of walking uh Mm. where i had just um twigged onto uh dance the night from barbie and the song Mm, the baddest by kda which is fucking league of legends which is so embarrassing for me but they're all (laughs) so good uh and so those rocketed their way up on my spotify wrapped um however i of course uh was in the top one percent of austin wintry listeners as he was my most played (laughs) artist but again that's only since august so like god save wherever i end up on next year's list because it's gonna be higher (laughs) i tried really hard to make wham's last christmas my most 
played song just from two months of like straight playing it on loop last year and it didn't even crack the top five but uh no Dang. this year in the biggest plot twist ever for indigo's listening habits manor muppet was not the number one song of the year but was in fact the number three song uh frankie valley was my top artist to be even more of an italian american stereotype and a lot of the songs that did crack like the top songs of the year for me were things that i had either considered putting on or had put on the danny character promo playlist which means that my spotify yep, wrapped is heavily geared towards the things that i had to keep listening to over and over again for work so <laughs> i don't know if it's an accurate read of what i listen to on a day-to-day basis i do also tend to go on private whenever i'm going to listen to like my show tunes playlist which does mean that it's not weighted accurately for the amount of times that i did listen to the cats album um among others we talked about this on a patron hang with a uh, real difficulty but but yeah i would say spotify wrapped was not indicative overall um i also don't listen to any podcasts on spotify so i once again could not experience the immediate like oh i wonder what my top podcast could be and then slap in the face of it's your own show you dumb dumb you listen to the promos when you're spot checking <laughs> the audio for this stuff um, <laughs> yeah that'll do it yeah uh but we got time for a few more questions here so this one comes from orange juice to all if you had to go to a super school which would it be and why <laughs> This is similar to when we were like, what faculty would we be in a yeah. super school? Um, Which existing I assume super they mean school like a, would you want to yeah. go to? Yeah. Um, man. I'll go to Vile from Carmen San Diego. <laughs> the evil school for bad guys? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Oh, God. I do think it would be fun to go to Sky High from the end of Sky High and not the beginning. Like, after they've Mm. kind of been like, anyone can be a hero and not just a sidekick. Because I don't have any superpowers, so it would be limiting in some ways. When I so on Netflix, I keep getting ads for something called Unicorn Academy. This is not going to be my answer. I just need you guys to know my pain because it's this like 3D animated. It looks like a spiritual successor to like the old 3D animated Barbie movies, and it's clearly some kind of magical other world super school phenomenon where the the every girl protagonist learns like my father was a unicorn rider and then it shows a picture of the most protagonist looking man i've ever seen with three different colored streaks in his hair hey, and i'm like hey. of course that man rode a unicorn i don't know why you're surprised um I'd be more so, worried if he didn't yeah so that's not my answer but it is very funny to me um <clears throat> the thing is most super schools turn out to be like nightmares uh for various reasons yeah but in terms of easiest place to go where you don't need to have superpowers it would end catastrophically, but I do like the Gundam school from G, which from Mercury, <laughs> because I could just learn to pilot or, you know, mechanically fix a giant robot. And it wouldn't have to be a Gundam. Specifically in that show, Gundams are illegal because uh, they kill their pilots. Uh, and uh, so you could just have a normal ass mobile suit and be fine. It can be shiny, it can be whatever color you want if you're rich, you know, capitalism in space, very standard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you just get to learn cool shit about space and uh, and pilot giant robots and only occasionally get killed in a terrorist attack on your school. <laughs> um, which, honestly, by, by super school standards, pretty good. Like, it only happens, yeah. like, twice in the show. <laughs> if the school survives to the end of the series in one piece, you're, you're pretty solid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, though, because there's a bunch of other... Uh, there are a lot of ones that I think are funny that you shouldn't go to for various reasons. Because, like, the whole time I was looking through footage from Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, I was like, this is mm. dumb. Mm, like, I'm going to yeah. go to card game school on the active volcano island where people get getting fucking kidnapped. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like there's a part of uh, me that wants to say, like, Xavier's uh, Institute just from, from the X-Men for, like, the sheer, like, 
Claremont run love of it all. But at the same time, it very heavily depends on when you're going there to like the practicality of surviving. Like to be a student I during X-Men Evolution School. That's the thing. Uh, X-Men Evolution yeah. version? Absolutely. I get shoulder pads and the a cool little palatial. I, it's, yeah. It could be fun. It's a great team. Like that could be a great vibe. And then you just go mm-hmm. to regular school too for some reason. <laughs> but like... Yeah. But, you know, you get a real teen experience. Uh, but, you know, any other era of X-Men, it's very hit or miss as to whether that's a great place to be in any given moment or not. Like, you don't even make it to X2 in the 2000s movies before it starts going crazy. <laughs> I mean, it kind of depends on how much the writer's going on the uh, mutants are prejudiced against in a world that hates mm-hmm. them and fears them. Because that kind of determines how unfun it's going to be to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But super schools come with many caveats, and there's so, so many versions of them. Um, mm-hmm. This next question comes from Space Ace 1371 to all. What did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? So when you were a, a young, young version of yourself, what was your uh, job when you grew up that you wanted? What did you want to be when you grew up? These are the words I'm looking for. I did for. not dream of selling my body for capitalist labor. I wanted to be an astronaut sometimes. <laughs> I wanted to be an aerospace engineer for, for a stretch. Mm. I also wanted to be an actor. And then I realized that would probably be unfun. I definitely um, also had the acting would be fun, and then my dad sat me down and was like, here are the working conditions of actors, especially young women. And I was like, mm, maybe not, though. Uh, yeah. Maybe only on my own terms, on a YouTube channel of some kind, perhaps. Yeah. <clears throat> I had two, like, specific routes I thought about going uh, when I was very, very young. Because of the influence of Power Rangers Dino Thunder, I did think being a... <laughs> Being a Power Ranger and then subsequently being a paleontologist would be really cool. I was very, I was very much a dinosaur kid, in the way that I think most kids are either a dinosaur kid or a marine biology kid. I was a dinosaur kid. Um, space kid erasure. Excuse space me. kids exist, but on the on the biological spectrum of scientific interests, <laughs> these are the two. Um, I was a paleontology kid, uh, and then when I was a little bit older, I thought maybe it'd be cool to be an interior designer for a while. Because um, I was one of those arts kids who's like, I don't want to go for like fine arts art school but i want to do something kind of artsy maybe i could like get really really feed this hgtv addiction that my mom has imposed upon me and like go all (laughs) in on this and be on design star someday uh and obviously i didn't do either of those things and i think that that's fine i think it's cool to have a bunch of different interests when you're a kid and then do something completely different Yeah, I, I think that like the the number one coolest thing about the way that uh, my life has managed to shake out is that I kind of keep getting to sample a whole bunch of different things that I enjoy doing, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the coolest. That Like in my final year of college, I'd basically already finished most of my major, so it was like, oh yeah, I'll take this dinosaur class. Hell yeah, I'll ask nicely, because I'm not at all a biology student, but they might <laughs> let me come along anyway. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been able to do a little bit more amateur astronomy. It's like, okay, being an astronaut... First of all, astronauts don't even go to the moon these days, so like much less fun for me as a concept. Also, I am just enough prone to vertigo and motion sickness that it would probably just kill me dead uh, to be in zero G for more than like a day. Uh, But all the cool parts about space are just as accessible from down here. I have a telescope now and I get to do some stargazing and research constellations and make zodiac pins and stuff like that. Um, And uh, I think one of the most fun things about the way that we've managed to like shape our lives is that we get to do a lot of different things without having to rely so heavily on any one of them that it becomes unfun out of necessity yeah because uh, like i always wanted to write and i always wanted to draw uh and once i learned that voice acting was a thing i definitely wanted to do that and now we're in a sort of position where we can kind of do a little bit of everything and we can branch out more deeply in specific directions if we so desire um i think that most kids probably don't have one thing that their hearts are absolutely set on for the rest of their lives you know um i think barring like you know weird artist kids 
speaking as one who was like, <laughs> look, whatever else I do, I'm gonna have to draw comics because the the inexplic- inexplicable exhortations of my brain demand it, and I literally can't not do it. But like, that doesn't mean I'm gonna do it for a living. It just means it's gonna happen to me. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's fun to look back on what I was interested in as a kid and be like, well, that's not what I ended up doing. It doesn't mean I wasn't interested in them or aren't still interested in it now. But no, you know, you land on yeah. something that you like doing well enough and you can keep doing it or you can change tactics later on. Also, it's, realistically, a bunch of us were like, I want to be a ninja, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I want to sure have at cool some point if you arts. asked young Batman, she would have yeah. been like the thing I want more than any. Actually, I want to change my answer to the previous question as well, because the thing <laughs> young Indigo wanted more than anything was to be a Winx Club fairy. And go to the uh, magical school of Alfie. I was surprised that you didn't bring it up. I forgot about honest. it for a second there, but now that it's front of brain, yeah, that's my answer to the previous question, as well as my answer to this question. Yeah, I wanted to be a Winx Club fairy. Yeah, I want to be a Winx Club fairy. I want to get a cool little outfit that my mom would have hated, and I want to do a little magical tricks, make little glowy stuff come out of my hands. Um, <laughs> we got time for one more question here, uh, and this one comes from CC426. To all, what is your game of the year for 2023? Mm. I'm going to say you can pick any game regardless of whether or not it was technically nominated for this category. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're not, we're not going by the, the rigid criteria of what no. the, uh, the game awards chose. What I am excited for is I'm excited for that game of the year musical medley they always do because oh, that man. never fails to slap. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I mean, just by the numbers, easy answer. I don't play that many video games. It's Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. I I like Tears of the Kingdom. I feel like, because I haven't had the chance to play it yet due to system limitations, but I feel like the second I get my hands on Baldur's Gate 3, that's going to consume my life. And I think that if that had not come out this year, it would have been Tears of the Kingdom hands down, but I could see those two duking it out. (laughs) I mean, I saw a clip from Point Crow where he's like, here are all my controversial opinions in one YouTube short. Let's go. One of them was like, (laughs) even though I'm like, I do Zelda YouTube as a big part of my job, Baldur's Gate 3 is my game of the year. I'm like, fuck. If even he's been turned, <laughs> yeah. then there's no chance. <laughs> it's just I mean, I so cool, you know? Here, here's the thing. I love the story of Tears of the Kingdom. The story of Tears of the Kingdom can be explained in one sentence. It is not complicated. I just love it. It's elegant in its simplicity. Baldur's Gate 3, lots more going on. Lots more characters. Mm-hmm. So... For me, even like recognizing like it's probably gonna be Baldur's Gate three that takes it, and that's 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 fine. That's good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably call it a three way race for me between Tears of the Kingdom, Stray Gods, mm-hmm. and Spider Man two, mm-hmm. and it's hard to say like what I would say about each one that makes it my game of the year. Like Stray Gods was just such a singular experience for me that nothing else was like. That I'm like this is this is incredible. It's such a feat of, of game accomplishment. Holy crap! Um, Tears of the Kingdom is such an impressive story accomplishment, and it means so much for like Zelda games as a whole. And then Spider-Man Two is just my favorite Spider-Man story that exists fully <laughs> ever. And that like fuck man. So it's gonna be one of those three. Uh, the the recency bias says Spider-Man 2 because when I finished it, like the night after I finished it, I was sad because I'm going to have to wait a very long time for more Spider-Man <laughs> stuff to come out. Yeah, but, um, I feel like in a similar vein, like three. acknowledging that I think Baldur's Gate 3 is going to take it and that if I have played had played it at this point, it would probably be my game of the year. Uh, shouting out like a smaller game, I, I know it's got its own indie title controversy around it, but like I've been playing Dave the Diver recently and it's 
does indeed fuck. Mm. And I, I think it's a great, well-constructed little game, and I wanted to shout it out. Um, I don't think it's going to necessarily take Game of the Year, but it's definitely high up on my list of games I've played this year. Um, there are a lot of really good games like, that this came was out a good this year. year for games. Yeah. This was a really this solid year to be year a person who likes to play games. We got another Fire Emblem like, that came out to various yeah. reviews. There was more huh. Pokemon DLC that came out. Um, Everyone got something they wanted this year. Taste. I mean, it, mm. it's basically it's like this and 2007. Where like 2007 is the year that all the games you like came out. Yeah. Uh, like it's a uh, hold on. Uh, mm-hmm. 2007 games. It's like. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Super Mario Galaxy, Bioshock, Uncharted, Team Fortress 2, Crisis, Halo 3, The Witcher, Rock Band, Portal, Half-Life 2 Episode 2, First Assassin's Creed, um, God of War 2, so Mass Effect, um, there's a Zelda game that came out, uh, Guitar Hero 3, so fucking much came out in 2007. God damn, what was in the water that year? It, I, I wish I could, t- I think it was the first year of, um, uh, when did PS3, question mark? 2006. It was the first uh, full year of the PS3, uh, Xbox 360 generation. So presumably a lot of game devs had been, like, sitting on stuff, presumably because they'd been developing for the mm-hmm. console, and were yeah. like, alright, until it's out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, 2007 was insane, and 2003, I think, is the first year that's like, no, this tops it. <laughs> yeah. A lot of cool games this year. Uh, I'm excited. I Every day uh, that goes by, and we inch closer and closer to Hades 2, is another day that Indigo gets more and more excited. But uh, I think with that, we do it to close out the podcast. So, Red, you ready to take us out? Sure. Why not? Uh, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks, as always, with another exciting episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. That's bi-weekly. It's not that bi-weekly. The other bi-weekly. And if you're a patron, uh, hop over to Patreon for... Uh, we're going to be hanging out for another half hour at time of recording. We haven't done that yet, obviously, but we are about <laughs> to do it. And uh, you can go there right now. Time is amazingly flexible. Um, and if you were at PAX Unplugged, hi retroactively. <laughs> Hello from the past, from the future. Yes. And the future. Kind uh, of both. Yes. Uh, uh, cool. Okay, awesome. Um, I think we don't. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you uh, have missed out on pins, uh, they're going to be available on our shop for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, and I've got some fun ideas for new ones coming next year. So stay tuned in the long term, the really long term. Um, I'm out of things to say. So, until next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue. And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on December 20th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron for even more exclusive benefits like access to the After After Show Show, 30 minutes of bonus content recorded after the podcast.